surely not analysis or actual reflection, accounts for an excuse based simply on a woman's sex and not on what she does or is capable of doing. Welcome to Man Unmade, a podcast normalizing the authority and power of women's voices in a man's ear. Right, which you know what that did? It made me so mad at you. You should be. You should be upset. Every once in a while, you just get incredibly lucky. That's how I feel about our first guest here on Man Unmade. She's wise, funny, clever, and loves to walk around the house with a blanket wrapped around her waist. She's a designer, a business owner, an activist, a lifelong student, and one of the most authentic people you will ever meet. She's well-read, strong, brave, an incredible mother, and never says no to chocolate. Which is all why in the year 2000, when I asked Kelly to be my partner in life forever, and she said, okay, no, really, that's what she said, she immediately made me the luckiest guy ever. Here we go. (laughs) This is our first Man Unmade podcast, and uh, it makes total sense that my first guest would be uh, my partner in life, my wife, Kelly G. Harp. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. That's <laughs> nice. Kelly G. Harp. I like that. So official, isn't it? It is. It is. It's true. If I'm going to do a podcast called Man Unmade about you know normalizing the power and authority of women's voices in a man's ear, what am I doing if you're not my first guest? <laughs> Good point. Good point. I appreciate that. I'll bring that up later. Don't worry. Thank you. And I would also like to point out that while this is uh, the first podcast uh, and you are the first guest, this will not be the last time that you are on this podcast, as you have already agreed to verbally. Yeah, verbally. That's true. I did say we need to talk about rates. This is for yeah. free. <laughs> But the first one's free. Well, you said it in front of Lisa. Um, <laughs> and Lisa's here as well. Hi, Lisa. Hello. I took note of it, Kelly. Thank you. Okay. What are the laws of verbal agreements in Texas? I feel like that's something. <laughs> well, we're we recording, so it's forever. <laughs> right. True. True. But I didn't agree here. So, yeah. Well, um, the point being that uh, you did agree, and I'm holding you to it forever in perpetuity. <laughs> Um, that uh, you would come back on when you have something to say. And right now, the uh, the working title is Kelly Has Something to Say. Uh, <laughs> Man Unmade, Kelly Has Something to Say. And so every once in a while, when there's something going on in the world, or maybe we have a guest um, who uh, you know said something that you found really interesting, or it sparked something in your own mind or whatever, which also means you have to listen to all the podcasts. <laughs> um, True. Uh, that you would come on and give your thoughts on said topic. Oh, great. No, I would really love to do that. And I'm already super excited about your guests, as you know. Yes. In the background. Sorry, I might need to let her out. But I'm really excited about your guests. And so I will totally be listening. And I'm sure I will have something to say, as you know. (laughs) Not surprise you. Well, out of the two of us, I have more to say usually like opinions, you yeah. always have 
better things to say. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that, but you do use a lot of words. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a nice way of putting it. You might want to tell people we're not in the same room because they might. Yeah, that's that's exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I wanted to treat this like, you know, you're a guest on the show, and like I'm not going to have other guests here in the house. It's going right. to be over Squadcast here, and um, so we wanted to try. And I didn't get I didn't get a really cool microphone like you guys did, though. So. Well, that's true. Okay, maybe, that's since cool. you're going to be a regular Ooh, on the show, maybe we need to microphone. change that. Yeah, it is cool. It, like swings down. And- mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to set you up here. Um, okay. I, I would like to uh, just give people a brief sort of setup about Clinton Kelly Harp. Very brief. So, okay, yeah. Two kids. Uh, you, uh, you're from Tyler, Texas. You were born in Nacogdoches. Two kids. What do you mean by that? It's so what did I say? Family. You just said two kids. No, you and me. Two kids. Um, oh, so I was like, you, three. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already not being clear. I'm leading a podcast. <laughs> Lots of words. Unclear. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm talking about us two kids. This is what I'm trying okay, to say. It, so it. you as a kid were born in Nacogdoches. Then you were born, uh, moved to Tyler about three or four years old. Grew up there. I was born in Atlanta. Also lived in Asheville, North Carolina after I was three till 11, then I moved back to Atlanta. So we were born in the South. Essentially, Tyler is the closest thing to like a Southern town, as you've said, uh, in Texas many times, mm-hmm. um, complete with um, uh, uh, sort of a segregated nature for sure, yes. um, yep. uh, which I experienced as well uh, in Georgia. So mm-hmm. sort of all the things that the South um, uh, has to offer, including some some of the good things as well. And um, but you grew up in the um, Southern Baptist Church. Yeah. I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church. Um, and then we both went to a Baptist school. Uh, mm-hmm. once we graduated from high school, we went to Baylor. We met as I was a senior, you were a junior a junior yeah. and uh, or a junior. That's like an in-between. Yeah. Junior um, with jeans. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> with cool jeans. Yeah. I met this junior guy. She's amazing. <laughs> and uh, and so um, and and then we we started dating, and we dated for ten months. Then we got engaged. We were engaged for ten months. Then we got married. Mm-hmm. And I moved you, a girl who has always lived in Texas her entire life, mm-hmm. all the way to St. Petersburg, Florida, so I could be the area director, area director, mm-hmm. I said that weird at first, of a ministry, mm-hmm. and it was on a peninsula. Mm-hmm. St. Petersburg is a peninsula, and we literally moved to basically an island. We didn't know anyone out there. We were totally married. And oh, oh, and let me point this out. When I was one or two, my parents divorced, and so my family life was always crazy. My idea of marriage and everything was warped from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and you, when you were 15, uh, your dad left um, and your, your parents divorced. Um, and <laughs> that's just the way that went down. <laughs> I think we and, both know why I'm laughing right now. Yes. And, um, and, and so... That broke your heart, obviously. 15 yeah. is... Yeah, that was a rough age. I mean, rough. they're not a good age, but yeah, that was rough. It's already a rough age. Okay. So 
that's who we are. That's what we bring into this whole relational deal with our families, divorce, parents leaving, whatever it is, all this different stuff. Then we get married. We are two very young kids, 24, 23 years old, and we go somewhere where we don't know anybody and we're completely on an island. Yeah. All right. What was going through your head? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I think I, you know, I was brought up by like my mom, as you know, is a really strong woman. Mm-hmm. My grandmother, her, her mother was a really strong woman. Um, and so I think like there were so many parts of me growing up that were saw, like my mom worked the whole time that we, that I was growing up. And so, mm-hmm. and like, honestly, what I consider a pretty amazing career, like she went to, she went to um, junior college for some classes, but then she and my dad got married. And so she put him through school and worked and just like looking, of course, I never thought about this growing up, but looking back, she was like breaking barriers without even realizing mm-hmm. it in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Nonetheless, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, she just worked her way up in the medical field, like from like, I I mean, I want to say she was like 18 working in a pharmacy and ended up with this career in the medical field. Like Mm. back when doctors were um, just like individual offices, you know, and she was like running the whole business, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, went to there. And then, you know, as you know, she ended up like going to nursing school and stuff later, but all that to say, like, and I remember like even in the, probably like late eighties being like, Oh, I really like one of my people that I admired was Sandra Day O'Connor, who probably many young girls in Tyler didn't even know who that was, you know? And And can you explain, uh, give a brief, you know, description of who that is for people that still might not know. Yeah. She was the first woman on the Supreme court. Right. And she was conservative too. Um, I, I believe she was nominated by Reagan. So um, anyway, so I was really encouraged to do well in school, um, to have a career and all of those things. But I was also given this kind of like, like also kind of cultural backstory of like, but you also, well, I always wanted to be a mom. So I, so none of that was, controversial for me. Like, Mm -hmm. of course, I think as a society, we definitely value um, women being mothers um, and tell them that they need to be, but that, Mm -hmm. that never was a conflict for me, but I, I did not at all. And I couldn't have voiced this then, but I did not know how those two things could go together. And Mm -hmm. I was really afraid about it. And so I didn't really think about it, you know, and I didn't have very many examples of how, you, I, I knew I really wanted to be a mom and I wanted to have a stable family. And I'm, again, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know exactly how I would have said that, but I know that that was an internal motivation for me. Mm-hmm. And so I did not, as you know, like I did not want to get married right after Baylor. Like I didn't value that. I thought it was kind of dumb that people did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think it's really young, especially now that we have like children. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> bad idea, bad idea. Yeah. Um, but as you and I've talked about, I think it was a really great idea for us. It really worked for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got to know each other essentially. Yeah. Well, and I think we both needed a lot of support. And so yeah. in a way, 
we could have gotten it in other ways for sure. And we could have in mm-hmm. a different life, you know, maybe dated for a long time. There's all, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not really interested in what we should or shouldn't have done or whatever. I do think it worked for us, but it was very hard. As you know. do, you, do you remember a, a conversation that we had in the Dairy Queen parking lot here in Waco? Oh my gosh. It was when we were dating. We might've been engaged at that point. I think we were engaged or maybe we were dating, but you remember yeah. I, I- know what Dairy Queen you're talking about. And we got yeah, lizards, Reese's. Yep. It was the it was the one close to like the old the Barnes and Noble and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I, and and so again, let me just point this out. The point of this podcast here is to expose the you know warped thinking of men and have women speak into that. You have full authority to you know expose the dumb things that I've said and done and, yeah. and what uh, over the years. Um, and, and, you know, and, and I need to listen to that. I need to listen to your perspective. So, so that being said, this was a stupid thing, but it was again, being brought up in the Southern Baptist church. I think it's fair to say my idea of marriage was the man is the head of the household and the breadwinner and et cetera, et cetera. And the woman, um, can have a job and all that things, all that, all that stuff. But she ultimately, you know, she's the mother and she's going to raise children and all that. Mm -hmm. And my mom did not work growing up. um, And so she, you know, stayed at home, Mm -hmm. you know, so was there when we got home from school, et cetera, et cetera, all this stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we had this discussion in the Dairy Queen parking lot where I said, yeah, if we take this further, I just, <laughs> I know this is so bad. Lisa's going to throw her headphones down and walk out. Lisa, remember we're a lot older than you, okay? We're really dumb. Yes. Like, yes. I see my eyes okay. getting bigger. <laughs> so I base, I don't remember how I said it. I was definitely trying to be diplomatic, but let me not be diplomatic here and just say the point of it was. With a lot of words, but not very clear. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and the but the point of it was I wanted to basically check with you first before going any further in our relationship that your idea of marriage lined up with mine and that you did want to raise our kids before you were going to like you weren't we weren't going to have children and then you were going to go and like work full time. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like you that was the conversation. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know that I have no problem calling you out when I. That is for sure. Giving you the full amount of blame that I feel you should have, you know. Yes. So when I say that before, because people listening may not realize that, like I, we laugh that like when I give you a compliment, it really is like meaningful because, <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know, like well, I mean, you yeah. that's so bad, but you've said to me like you appreciate my compliments because mm-hmm. I, I'm not one to just maybe use them frivolously would be a nice way to say it or something. 100%. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I'm not doing that thing where I just don't want you to feel bad. I guess that's what I'm saying is that I'm yeah. fine with you feeling bad about things you should, yes. people in general should feel, we all should need to feel bad about things we should feel bad about. That's part mm-hmm. of the learning. But I, it's just like that whole concept of like, the patriarchy is not against men. It's, it's against the patriarchy and we mm-hmm. all participate in it to some degree. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's true of racism too. Like it's about everyone being aware of 
our society and what we live in and fighting against that concept, you know, mm-hmm. and um, realizing and then fighting against it. So yeah. I was a part of that too. Yes. I, I accept and appreciate your apology that you said that. And, mm-hmm. um, and it was wrong. Um, and you were because of our ideology, our ideology, you were like above me in that way. And so you have even more mm-hmm. responsibility. I agree for that conversation. Mm -hmm. But I was steeped in that as well. And Mm -hmm. um, I like agreed with you, you know, and Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't even think I realized how conflicted I was about everything because, which is like when we're conflicted, we just need to go further into it. Right. And, and find answers. But sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like when I get conflicted, you know, I just don't, I just stopped there, you know, because that made yeah. me kind of want to take the energy to figure it out. And I think that speaks to where we are as a nation right now, too. It's like we're real conflicted. And so it's just easy to shut down and just have somebody tell us what to do and do it. Right. Right. So I think I just was so conflicted because I saw, well, I think I saw that my mom was exhausted. I saw mm. she did so well and her job was really, really good at it but she was totally exhausted and I did not want to be exhausted. Now there, I didn't realize that there were a lot of other reasons having to do with my family dynamics that she was exhausted in my opinion. That's my opinion about it. You know, she'd have to to say what she felt, but um, she did not have an equal partner um, Mm. to help her and nor did many women in the eighties or nineties, but I think her situation was, comparative to others was, was even, she had even more on her. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in my opinion, and so I just hadn't parsed all that out to think about it. And I like, when I think about regrets, you know, I think, I I think it's important to think about regrets. I don't think it's good to dwell in them because what can you do? But I do, I don't regret our life at all, but I do regret that I feel like I was a little bit aimless, you know, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of that had to do with my family's situation and have a lot of stability or like. And can, can you talk about the fact that, I mean, at one point you wanted to be a doctor. Yeah. Um, yeah like totally, said, yeah. San, Sandra Day O'Connor, you know, like you even at one point, just the thought crossing your mind of being a Supreme Court justice. I thought, I mean, I had like a million majors. I have so many mm. extra hours in undergrad. <laughs> I just enjoyed it. Like I would have gone to school forever and like loved right. it. And so, I have just enough. Yes. <laughs> we skated <laughs> you through. We skated you through. We did it. Um, so I just looking back, I wish that I had focused more and figured out kind of mm. what, what it was I wanted to do. I did think about, I think I was pre-med for like a semester or something. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I honestly did not know how that would work with what I knew I wanted to be as a mother and not wanting to be exhausted or not wanting to, you know, and I think I only really saw one real path to family life. Like, right. You know, and I didn't realize, and I'm obviously I'm so glad this didn't happen, but like women can have one child, you know, or you can wait a while or you can, you know, I didn't see all of those options. Mm. And so I just 
really, I ended up doing, as you know, elementary education, which I've been super thankful for. That's the cool thing, like in life, is that even when you make quote unquote mistakes, there are good things in the middle of that. But, um, and I, I actually have been so grateful. And I think Baylor has a great, or they did anyway, I think they do now too, but a great education department. It really helped fuel some of my early, like, social justice passions and stuff, which is great. Right, but right. yeah, I'm really sad. I'm sad and I don't want, it's part of my voice right now is like, I, I want people to, I want us all to keep thinking and asking questions and, and going through the uncomfortableness because getting stuck in it just, it has consequences. You know? I, I agree. I, I think it's, if we don't talk about it, if we don't get comfortable with the fact that at one point in our life, we were idiots. Yeah. And, you know, and we did really stupid things. Then the next time we're an idiot, it's just going to get worse and worse. And right. Well, I mean, we're, we're literally watching that. We're literally watching that right now. As yes, right. I think what's so hard, I feel and like... By the way, I'm, I'm pointing out that I was an idiot, not you. Like, I'm, I have to look back and go, I made mistakes as a young, you know, fiance and boyfriend and then husband and, you know, just my warped ideas of what this whole thing was supposed to look like. Anyway, say, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even gotten to all of them yet. We'll, we'll get to them here in a second, but go like ahead. Four hours long. Yeah. Um, I just think, I think we're looking at that right now as a nation. Mm -hmm. We're looking at the consequences of, of us refusing to, look at our own mistakes or, or even admit our own mistakes, you know, and it's right. just getting worse and worse and to where it's like, are we going to ever be like, this is a bad idea mm -hmm. or, you know, or are we just God. always going to defend it and right. just right. I mean, where, what's the, what's the end game here? You know, Which I, I think, can, can I just say this again? I'm, you know, get a little personal here for the two of us with, the parental situations that we both come from, yeah, we're very familiar with that kind of attitude of like, let's just don't talk about that. Let's just, you know, like yeah. this is, this is that, that was that time, you know, but let's don't go there when you're like going, wait, that really hurt. And it still hurts. Yeah. And I'd like to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that shapes you into who you are today, you know, because you either decide, well, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to like move on past my mistakes and not deal with it. Or I'm going to break the cycle here and I'm going to talk about what I did wrong and be okay with it. You know, yeah. like I was an idiot. I was a total idiot. I literally wanted to check with you to make sure you were going to stay home with our kids before <laughs> I asked you to marry me. I mean, <laughs> like, because it yeah. scared me to death to like, because I it was not just, Would well, we yeah, it, it scared me to have a woman who was in control. Yeah. Totally. Because that, but that's not because like I was this egotistical maniac. I mean, I'm sure I was to a degree and still probably battle that. 22, 23. Right, right. But I think more of it had to do with, there was a religious pressure. Like I thought yeah. it was like a, Mm -hmm. Almost a heaven and hell thing. I mean, yeah, like, yes, like make sure you don't marry one of those. Yes, and exactly. Who would you say was the poster woman for in like, what was that, 2000s? Who was like the worst woman? 
that you want to make sure you didn't marry someone like. You couldn't, you did not want to marry Hillary Clinton. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Which is just so shameful. Gosh. Um, so, um, I, I think I wanted to go off something. I think you want me to say, I was yeah, headed to that direction too of religion, mm-hmm. which I just want to say it'd be, I, you know, everyone's religious choices are their own choices, but we mm-hmm. do still identify as Christians. We, we do still find value in going to church as a family. So sure. just, you know, for people to know, um, it is an important part of our life still, um, but we believe that any important part of our life deserves criticism and not only deserves it, but should have it. Like, right, right. you know, an unexamined life is not worth living. I feel like that's a famous quote. I don't know. Mm. Lisa, look it up. It now. <laughs> no, 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 it is. It is. Somebody, somebody important said that. But um, these weren't like messages we were getting within the church and with, along with some good messages, you know, which we can absolutely. talk about, but absolutely. It, we were, it was absolutely being reinforced our roles within the church. And I, and yes. I definitely don't think people realized it. I definitely think people thought they were doing the right thing. I mean, our religious history is full of people thinking they're doing the right thing while other people were getting incredibly hurt. And then what yes. happens is the people who get incredibly hurt are like, Hey, I'm getting hurt over here, you know, and it's like, you're the problem, you know, all the fingers pointed to them. So it's, so when that happens, it feels really scary to ever speak out at all and say, this doesn't feel right. And, and I would say that what we then have created um, is generations of women who have pushed down desires, pushed down dreams and whatnot because, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. And men who have just done what they think they're supposed to do yeah. and, and, and try and make the money and try and be the breadwinner. And then they come home stressed and they pour their vodka tonic and they don't want to talk to anybody for a while because they're just so stressed from pushing paper all day. And and the woman is oh, just dealing making, with all the patriarchy at their work. Dealing with absolutely, absolutely. When there's so many that probably, if they would have stopped and had like this incredible, like incredibly clear moment mm-hmm. where they would look at each other, I bet you so many of them would have looked at each other and seen each other and gone, "All right, on the count of three, say what's on your mind." And they would have gone one, two, three, and they would have both immediately said. I hate my life. <laughs> you know? yeah. and, 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 and the husband would have said, I just want to stay home and be with the kids. And, and the wife would have said, I really want to go be a lawyer. Yeah. You know, I mean, like there would have been so many instances like that. But instead, you had this like um, world that, and, and this is important to say, I, I was going over this with Lisa yesterday, going over some notes and mm-hmm. what I wanted to talk with you about. And I share with her another story that I'll get to later. But like for her, she was just saying, wow, that's so weird for me to hear. And Clint, I think that's going to be so weird for a lot of people to hear, especially maybe people that aren't from the South or whatever. So like, let's point this out that there are people that like, they don't get this. This is crazy oh, to them. Yes, yes. I find that on my Instagram. It's so interesting. Yes. Like, it's like, feels like straddling two worlds, which I really like actually. Um, mm. But there's so many women who are like, what? <laughs> you know? And then right. others are like, I know, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just is really, it's a very real thing. And um, it it's good people who are operating out of immense 
amounts of shame mm -hmm. and fear, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's being reinforced by systems. I think, yes. and you know, um, I know Dr. Kendi is his work has influenced both of us in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Um, his like podcasts and, um, even I, th I would recommend him on Instagram to people, but um, anyway, he talks so much about systems. And I think that a lot of religious people, when we say, um, you know, like this is reinforced by our churches, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, they, they feel like what we're saying is there were a bunch of bad people right. who were doing bad things. And right. even though not true. Right. Even though, well, I mean, I want to say like, you know, like in like, for example, the Catholic church and the sex abuse scandal, and actually in this other Baptist church, there was some sex abuse scandal. Yes. Out. So there are bad people doing bad things. Yes. We yeah. can all agree on that. Yes, but for sure. When I say bad people, people made really bad choices and, you know, blah, blah, whatever. However you mm -hmm. want to that. Mm -hmm. There's but, always um, bad people in yeah. every, yes. Yes, yes. exactly. For sure. But it's often, I don't think that we realize, and it was probably something to do with our like brains can understand systems and what systems do to people. And so mm -hmm. I often think that the there's such a conflict between one group and the other group because one group tends to, when they hear like, uh, like Black Lives Matter and when they hear mm -hmm. this stuff, they literally think that what we're saying is there's so many bad people who are purposely hurting other people. And they're right. not, we're not understanding, a lot of white people are not understanding the black community trying to say and like the meet happened at the me too movement too. any oppressed community is like, this is a system, you know, and yes, there's bad actors within it and everything, but the system is, is causing the problem. Yes. You just going to have that anytime you have any, any institution. Right. I, we just need to accept it. It's a part yeah. of it. You know what I mean? Right. Really accept it so we can root it out. Yes. And really, yeah. I mean, we have that within like Christian religion, like talking about sin, you know, like, and we all think that that is a part of all of us, however you want to conceptualize that. So we mm -hmm. actually have a way to talk about that. It's just that we've got to be open to each other to understand what each other is like talking about, you know, right, right. like, you know, you would hear even these conservative people in our past say things like, well, the church is going to hurt people because it's, it's human. Well, okay. Right. So that's what we're saying, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's well, a deal with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Doesn't mean throw away the church. It just means let's right. deal with the reality. And for some yeah. people, they have thrown away the church. And I think we got to accept that and understand mm -hmm. that choice. But a lot yeah. of people haven't, you know? Yep. So anyway. Okay. So Sorry, well, then let me, no, I love it. This is great. So let me then say there's all these systems in place and systems that we grew up under and ideas, ideology, whatever it might be. Um, warped ways of thinking, honestly, um, yeah. a lot of the time about the structure within a, a family. Um, yeah. I used to have this whole thing I used to talk about, about like the biblical like structure of like a family and all this oh, right. it was, like, crazy, which anyways, I, I, I'm not an expert on that. And I don't, I think it was all foobar anyways. But um, so that being said, um, well, we grew up- yeah, I just want to Go say, ahead. like, we, we commented at church on Sunday about, remember I said, oh, biblical family values. Like, we have to be able to laugh at each other. It was a story of Tamar that, that oh, Joshua right. made, remember? Right. 
like, anyway, some conservative friends that might be struggling with what we're saying, like, if you're interested in in kind of the jokes that we're making, first of all, we all have to joke and we're a part of it. So we're not making fun of other people. We're right. laughing about ourselves too. Yeah. But biblical family values, I mean, King David, you know, like, they're just so <laughs> bad, bad people. <laughs> not bad people, but I don't know how, I mean, I don't know, but the least people that make bad choices. And, you know, right. the story of Tamar was a perfect family insanity, you know? So yeah. anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yes. No, that's okay. Um, all right, so we take all these systems that we've been brought up under and we decide to get married and move off to an island where we don't know anybody. And um, we did thankfully have two friends that moved out there um, for another job, Mark and Jenny. And that was the best um, because we knew somebody and not just anybody, they were dear people to us and, and, and still are. And we cubes at their house. We Never. would play Roma cubes at their house, that's right. And we got the pretzels and put them in a, in a bowl. Yeah, she did just eating out of the bag. It was so cute and great. It's such a reminder of our Tyler roots. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was from Tyler, which is great. And and Mark and I worked together uh, in the same ministry in Waco when I was in college. So that was really neat to have them out there. Um, but we still, you know, the people that I was working with, we didn't really know them. There was a whole patriarchal thing going on there as well. Um, you know just all kinds of stuff. But we move out there with all of these pre-programmed ideas of what life is supposed to be like for a married couple, a Christian married couple, et cetera. We have all these ideas going into marriage of what intimacy is supposed to look like. If Can I just say that as well? Yeah. Um, you know, I won't get too detailed, but I will say- podcast we could get detailed, but that is not- Yeah, yeah. But, but I will I will say that that it didn't work out for us no. As well as you know what the movies show, right. and you know, right. Right. and not as advertised, and yes. um, and uh, that whole situation um found purity, us purity culture is what you're purity about. culture the whole thing, um, so the physical intimate portion of our marriage did not work out like we thought it would. We are totally alone. We even had to go, uh, thankfully, we had a therapist there in St. Pete that we went and visited. Um, and, um, you know, I had these like preconceived ideas that unless intimacy um, goes a certain way, your marriage is really, I mean, this is true. Okay, so I'm going back. Here we go. Like this is, this is, the, yeah, yeah. And this is the craziness that I brought into our marriage. Thank God you stayed with me. Um, but that our marriage was not complete unless we figured sex out. Right. That is true. That's not, I'm saying that that's not true, but I'm saying that's what my. Like literally, was, um, like ancient. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> ancient logic. Yes. Are like, um, yes. Yeah. And it, it, the, the thing was not working out for us. And mm -hmm. I felt like our marriage was not consummated, yeah. you know, like months and months into our marriage, we, we had to go see a therapist yeah. to help um, us through it. And I was bringing all that baggage into that situation. And um, do you remember, he said, Clint, okay, you ready? He goes, Clint, if you and Kelly are never able to have sex, are you prepared 
to love her for the rest of your life. And do you remember what happened after he said that? No. I broke down crying. <laughs> I mean, of course you did. You were 23. Like, I mean, you know, it was awful. Okay, but like, can we talk about why I was crying? Because I think this is kind of the point here. This was the beginning. And speaking of, I cry a lot. Lisa and I have a joke that I will probably pr- cry in every podcast. Well, say that, but you really, I don't experience you as crying a I lot. cry in movies all the time. I cry. Your story you're about to tell about your movie was like 25 years ago. I know, but I, I will probably cry. Because here's the point. Cry, right, that's fine. Um, go ahead. All right. I was crying in that moment. And I know it's funny because it sounds like, well, I was crying because I was a guy and I was thinking of never having sex. You know, right. okay, funny, haha, you know, whatever. But really, really what I was crying for, and I remember talking to you about this and in that moment with um, our therapist, was that was the first time I was confronted with, oh, this is what real love will actually look like. Oh, that's interesting. You remember? And I, I I remember thinking and saying to you later, wow, like I'm so, like I, that doesn't, it just was hard to compute because yeah. of everything that I was brought up under. And um, that was the beginning of breaking down, I think, these ideas of, and of course it would take something like that, right? Like- yeah. Yeah. Physical intimacy. What an extreme thing. And I think it took something like that. That's how strong my ideas were about marriage and about a woman's place and a man's place and et cetera, et cetera. And that whole situation broke me down. Yeah. 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 No, that's really good. I think I'm thinking of an Enneagram perspective. And I know that like certain personalities too. I know like Suzanne Stabile will say certain personalities. I know it's one, uh, I'm sorry, threes. And I think it might be sevens too. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it takes like a really serious, difficult confrontation mm-hmm. to for them to kind of shift into like their feeling self. Yes. And so that's interesting. And as, you have, as you've noted many times, I'm, incredibly disconnected with my feeling self. <laughs> well, you're feeling repressed. Yeah. From feeling, feeling repressed. Yes. Repressed, yeah. And, and so um, I think that was a, a very important turning point in our marriage and of me looking, beginning to look at marriage differently. That was me crying was me going, oh my gosh, I have to change so much. I'm mm-hmm. so warped. And I didn't realize that this is what love really is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. How, that being said, how did you feel in that moment? Um, I don't completely remember that moment, which is kind of funny. It was like, That's so okay. <laughs> for you. And um, <laughs> it was like the most impactful moment ever for me. And you're like, that happened. Sorry about that. I mean, I know in theory that that happened, but I can't. It wasn't like a moment that is like that I remember. Let me let me rephrase that question. How did you feel? I also just I want to talk about you know like like you said a we could have a whole another podcast on you know physical intimacy and purity culture and the whole thing what we brought into marriage. Yes. But all I'm trying to say is really from a broader perspective and I'm trying to paint the picture for our listeners 
so that they see how severe it was. Like we were out there, we had no support. We found a therapist, thank God, who helped us walk through one of the most difficult things that we could go through, keeping in mind that the people we had to call on in our lives came from the same system, right? right. Which sort of put us in the place that we're in. So it's, you know what I'm saying? It's like going, anyways. So we needed like a fresh perspective and thankfully we found one and all that. Yes. But what I want from you, what I'd love to hear from you, I, I should say, um, is your perspective on just that whole thing. And being in St. Pete, we're having problems with our, you know, physical, intimate side of, of marriage. Yeah. You know, I have um, a job and uh, it starts to fall apart. I lose that job. I get fired within six months of being married. Um, also 9-11 happened just a couple months after we yeah. uh, got married. You were working at The Gap. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, yeah. so what in, in, so from your perspective as a woman, what was going through your head with all of that? Um, well, I can say now, I just think I wasn't taking responsibility for myself. Like, you know, like, I think I was buying into that kind of like, okay, Clint, what are we going to do kind of thing, you know? Mm. Because like, if we hadn't gotten married, I probably would have gone back to Spain to study. I, I would have gone to graduate school, you know, but mm. I kind of just like let all that go. I didn't, we probably, you know, I've even talked about before, we probably could have figured out you working maybe even for the same ministry and me going to school, but I just didn't do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't, um, even really, I could, I didn't know exactly what I would even want to study. And now I know that part of that is, uh, when you've been like in trauma, you just don't, you don't know how to like even make decisions for yourself a lot of times. And so I, I see that through that lens now. Yeah. And so I think the good part for me being married was I had like a partner. And so I didn't just kind of like detach like a balloon and, and fly off. Mm. But I think the bad part is probably being married. I let you make some decisions even more than like, than I, sh I should have been more active in it. Um, yeah. But which, I mean, I would definitely, I feel like sometimes I would, kind of let you make a decision, but then be mad about it, you know, or, mm -hmm. and then plus the, all of that was on top of, we were kind of being taught, like you're the head of the household. And so, you know, I was like bumping up against that too, you know, like right. you kind of have the ace in the hole with being like, well, this is what the church, you know, teaches, like, not that that's what you're saying, but it's true. Right. right. Um, I think that's just another way to speak to, we all like when people say the fish is the last one to understand water, you know, because they're like swimming in the water all the time, yes, you know, like, right, right. we don't, we have such a hard time as humans conceptualizing the systems again, that we're like, mm. that are influencing us. So then when you don't even realize it, you can't talk about it, you know? So it's not like you were like the church says, you know, but you were coming from that moral authority, you know? Yes. It was um, just the way that it was. Yeah, right. It was the way that it was. And so mm -hmm. I, I wasn't really, I just don't think, I mean, I was, I wasn't really spending the time that I needed to, to think like, what do I want and what action steps can I take for what I want, you know? Yes. Um, and I don't think, 
you know, I think that just created problems. Now, I will say our next career move, which ended up being in Europe, was definitely an idea I had. So I wasn't yeah. totally, you know, absent. And you did. You were great with that being my idea and going with with my thoughts. And so mm. maybe that is a representation of the shift you made, you know, during that time. Well, I, I like to think, I mean, I don't like it, but I, I think about it this way that I think we were husband and wife for a while before we were partners. Yeah, that's really good. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry for that. It took me a while. Oh, thanks. I know. I'm mm. sorry for it too. But oh, I really, no, no. it's not, not, it's more on oh, me, I, I think. I, I think you're probably anyway. right about that, but I did play <laughs> into that. And sure. I did, I really valued at the beginning of this when you said, like, I'm your partner, you know, because I really mm -hmm. like that word because that to me mm -hmm. just means equals and it means like a choice and yeah. not just these pre prescribed roles. And I think the older we get, the more we're like leaning into that and learning from that. And, and can I just say, I want to share the story. So we were, this was before we were engaged. We were working at the same camp during the summer and um, I was like, okay, it's time. I've got to tell this girl that I love her. And um, so I took you on a date and we went to this really beautiful spot and like we were just sort of hanging out afterwards. And I said, I just want you to know I love you. And you said, um, which was the greatest thing ever. Do you? I had totally forgotten about this, but I was going through this with uh, with Lisa. This is insane. I've I like I started crying thinking about this. I love the story so much. I don't even remember. <laughs> you, it, I know, but you will. I had I hadn't thought about it forever. But listen to what you said. You go, you know, that's so awesome because I just wrote that in my journal a couple days ago. That I love you too. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. See, Ooh, I feel like there it's come like, the tears. Yeah, I that was like, awesome. I think that's sweet. It's a good reminder that you know. I don't know. I feel like I want to look back on my younger self and be like, ugh, you know, like all mm -hmm. these mistakes. But you just have to learn and grow wherever you're at. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm sure I look back at myself now. At, um, 41 and be like, Oh Lord, you know, but like, that's just part of it. You just, that's kind of evidence of how you're learning and growing, but you do know things even at 22, you do know things. Yeah, you do. And, and, and I want to point out that the reason why that was so impactful for me was the great, you know, Clintism here of, you know, I love what are my love languages? Any of them when it's a surprise. Remember, that's like my whole thing. Um, and and so the fact that you said that in that moment was okay. like so sincere because it, oh. it wasn't like you weren't feeling the pressure of I've got to say I love you back. You were like, oh, I've already written in my journal two days ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is real. This is real. Um, oh. But I, I want to then go to the next day. Okay. The next day was even more impactful. So mm. we're sitting on the road outside, um, like on the little sidewalk outside the dining hall. Okay. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy who's so excited. I can say, I love you now. It's like a new phase. You know, we're at a new level. So, yeah, I got to say it. I'll see you in the morning. And it's like, hey, I'm so excited to see you. I love you. And you're like, I just want you to know that, yes, I, I love you too. But 
<laughs> now you were 21. Okay. You're 21 years old. And this is the the wisdom that you're dropping on me and like it's insane. You said, I love you too. I, I I do. And I want you to know that. But more than that, I just want you to know because like in reality, people are gonna fight, people are gonna have moments, they're gonna have bad days. And I think it means more to me to tell you that I choose you. Oh. <laughs> do you remember that? No. <laughs> you, yes, you said that right outside the cafeteria. It blew me away. I was like, what in the world? That is so <laughs> awesome. This girl, like, how am I so lucky? And, um, it, you know, even then, you were really starting to readjust my frame, you know, a focus of like what this relationship is going to look like uh, moving forward. And, and uh, I'm just so, you know, thankful for that. You were teaching me things about love bef like before we were even married before. And I, you know, and you still do to this day. Um, and you always will. And I, and I like just so, uh, I so value that. Um, oh, thanks. Okay. So, well, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, everybody. Man Unmade was created to amplify women's voices. And early on, we decided that beyond each interview, we also wanted to highlight women in business and music. So in each episode, we'll take time out to turn you on to a new business you've maybe never heard of and a singer-songwriter whose music we think you should try out. The music will come at the end of each podcast, so make sure you keep listening after we've wrapped the interview. If you're listening now and you happen to own or work for or have a friend with a business, or if you know of an artist or you are one, shoot us an email to contact at manunmadepodcast.com. But the spotlight on women's businesses is right now. So this week, our first business is actually located here in Waco, Texas. I love this business. Uh, it's called Wildland. I've been there many times. Lisa, you've been there? Yes? Yeah, what up, Kate? <laughs> Kate Duncan, that's right. Uh, she owns it. She's fantastic. Um, this is our tradition, Lisa. So every year for Kelly's birthday, um, for the past few years, I've gone in there. And I've taken my kids and I say, okay, kids, each of you pick something out. Hudson, Holland, Camille, go. And, uh, and then I kind of pick something out while uh, they're shopping. And I always also get to check in with Kate because she's been there the times that I've been. And uh, it's just such a great place. I love the feeling inside. Here's her blurb. Curated women's clothing and lifestyle shops specializing in your favorite things to wear every day. But like I bought like a scarf, incense um candles oh i got the best puzzle from there during christmas time it was it's so cool and it also has sat on my desk um, is that the one under your computer yes that's the from well <laughs> <laughs> that i never put together like the just you the have you, you literally have a puzzle in pieces <laughs> underneath your laptop <laughs> it stresses me out so much i don't want to uh. i'm just saving it little at a time I don't think there's a store in Waco like it at all. So you lived in Houston, and of course, there's like ten thousand stores to choose from, uh, and you've also been around some really amazing stores. Um, so the fact that you like it is uh, that's big time. Uh, mm -hmm. But here's the deal: it's also online. You don't just have to come to Waco to shop at Wildland. You can go to uh, shopwildland.com. And uh, she will ship to you. She's amazing. The store is amazing. I love all the stuff. And Kelly has never been disappointed from anything that we have brought home um, from Wildland. 
Uh, Kelly is a gift person. She loves birthdays, the whole thing. And I think she loves her birthday even more knowing that we're going to be uh, coming home with some goodies from Wildland. So go check out Wildland. Again, shopwildland.com. And when you're in Waco, go check her out. She's over on Washington Avenue. She's great. Kate, we appreciate you. Well-behaved women seldom make history. Laurel, Thatcher, Oreck. So I, I, I want to ask this too, because we moved to Florida and we're there and uh, we're not going to stay on this topic the whole time. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll move on a little bit. But I, I, I do want to talk about the fact, you know, Florida was just such an extreme time for us. I needed to respect the fact that I needed to earn trust from you. Just because we were married doesn't mean that like, well, all of a sudden the vault is just open and everything's allowed and you trust me 100% and everything I say, you're going to be okay with. <laughs> uh, you know what I, I mean? Yeah. Really and truly, and I, again, that's just part of the warped thinking that I brought into our relationship. I don't have that thinking now, but I definitely did. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to note that um, that is something that I wish men would uh, take into relationships uh, as a priority from the get-go of just mm-hmm. like, hey, trust is earned over time. A relationship deepens over time. Um, just because she said yes and <laughs> took the ring and decided to you know, get married does not mean that, all right, anything goes and you're just you know, carte blanche. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we need some new rituals around um, marriage and everything. I think Mm. we're really, and we say this, we're really lucky that it worked for us. I think in a lot of ways, like I said earlier, we had, we needed support. And so Mm. we we like learned to figure that out together and support each other, but it could have totally gone the other way. You know, we say that like, sometimes we're like, I can't believe we're still married. You know, it was just Mm -hmm. really difficult times and very little support. Yeah, And I mean, like stretched thin, you know, like Mm -hmm. we've been stretched thin, thin, thin before. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't have a lot of support that you would hope, you know, that you would have. So sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, um, we're still married. Yay. But the thing is when you get stretched like that and then you find a way to keep going, it, it really does the scarring can be stronger, you know? Yeah. Um, and sometimes that doesn't happen. And I want to acknowledge that too, but I think we're, we're very lucky. Um, yeah, I think I, you know, I didn't have a brother, so I really did not understand boys, but I really didn't think about that, you know? And I didn't think about the way, like, I, I mean, the ways I would need help and how that would transfer to my relationship with you. Mm. I don't, I wasn't thinking like, Oh, I can't trust him, but I do think I was from day one, like very hard on you, I think in a lot of ways and very much just like, I don't agree with that. No, you know, and our honeymoon, we had a fight and you called me a right fighter. Yeah. Was I wrong? (laughs) (laughs) No, you were totally right. Yeah. I mean, I needed it from day one. I, yeah, that it's, yeah, you did everything that you should have done. That's for sure. Well, yeah. thanks. I think that I think it all worked out and I think it's it was good, but I do think like I was just on you constantly about about things, you know, or just about 
I don't know. And I, I think this speaks to your character is that I've never really worried about you like leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, I just was more like, I'm in this for a real relationship. And I feel like if you yes. took a toe out of that, I was like, <laughs> you know, freaking out, you know. And let's be honest, there have definitely more in the past, there were two Clint's. There was real authentic Clint. And then there was, hey, let's reframe everything. And yeah. The yeah. And then, yeah. you know, yeah. like yeah. whatever. And, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You definitely have that part of you that can just reframe in the positive. But mm-hmm. I think, I think I, I understand that that can be a good thing a lot of times now. But mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think I would call you a lot on that, which was probably necessary. But, but then, I, th- I think I, it felt personal to me. I think I could mm-hmm. have talked to you about it in not a, such a personal way, but yeah, it was like terrifying to me. I, th- I think that um, that's why I'm so excited to have your voice um, in my life and uh, also on this podcast um, because I think that there are actually a lot of young women and and middle-aged, old, it doesn't matter, still dealing with that feeling of being terrified. Um, because yeah. what what do I want to do with my life? And I'm locked into this thing, and I don't know how to get out. And I didn't know how, you know, I didn't understand how it was going to work. Like if I, you know, I wanted to do music, that was my thing. I wanted to do music and travel around and do, you know, uh, you know, write records and have concerts and all that stuff. And it's like, well, how's that going to work if Kelly is doing this? You know, like how are yeah. our lives going? Like. I was afraid of that. And, you know, but because I was the man in the relationship and coming from where we came from, ultimately we were going to do what I was going to do. Like we were going to go with my direction, my career. That was going to be first. Again, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, I really am. Um, And I'd like to get to your career uh, here in a second, but that was where we were going. You know, it was wherever Clint was going. And so I didn't have to worry about not getting to do what I wanted to do. It was just like, I'm just going to be very candid here. It was like, if you ever woke up and decided this is what you want to do, well, then how was that going to work? Right. And so instead of, and I think that's a very human thing. So instead of like, trying it and just seeing, you know, it was just like avoid at all costs. And, yes. so, and, and I think I was kind of happy to go along with that because it felt scary to me to even really do a whole lot anyway, you know, mm. and not that I wasn't ever doing a whole lot. I, I was, I mean, I had like my sure. own business and stuff, but if I couldn't see, like I had, you know, alacrity designs, <laughs> yeah. Um, but if I couldn't see how it was going to grow into the next phase, then I just, you know, I was like, oh, well, I don't know, you know, yeah. so it kind of yeah. fit in, in there too. So I had some definite dysfunction that fit with your dysfunction. So Wait, can I say something? Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like what it makes me so angry listening to this. Yeah. Oh, that's, wow. That's uh, so good. Because in my head, I think, Kelly, you've said so much like, well, I didn't, I was just going along because that's what I felt comfortable. But if Clint had been so supportive of your, you know, more, I mean, you were probably, I don't know, wasn't there. But I think, <laughs> why did you feel that way? Like something had to make you not feel, like you felt scared because maybe you didn't have the support that you 
like if a, a guy was like, oh, let's go for your dreams or what, what are you mm-hmm. interested in? Like yeah. where you want to see yourself in 10 years. Like maybe that's why you felt that way. I don't know. It just like really makes me upset hearing that. Yeah. yeah, that's- yeah that. You should I'm be. Sorry. You should be upset. I mean, I don't know. That's just my thoughts. Okay, goodbye. No, no, that's good. It's really good to hear. Because, <laughs> like, uh, what if someone had incurred, like, if that wasn't what you guys were taught is what I'm trying yes, to say. Yes, yes. Okay. And it could have been so different. Yes, and because. It makes mm-hmm. me angry. Yes. That that's what happened to both of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. Yes. Well, I think, and I appreciate that, that that's what we were taught. And. Because I think, as you know, Lisa, like I don't ever have a problem like saying if I think Clint stepped out of the line or whatever, you know, so I'm not in general, like always trying to take up for him or act like it's not his fault or whatever. But I'm just wanting to show up in this conversation and be really honest about my own part in it, too. You know, it'd be easy for me just Mm -hmm. to blame it on you. But it's true. It's like it's the patriarchal society that we live in that tells us these things. Um, Mm -hmm. And makes it easier, you know, for me just to kind of float along a little bit, you know, like Mm. it it makes maybe my own tendencies to kind of float along a little bit even easier. Um, Mm. And I would, I feel like I would kind of like try things, but then, and again, this, now I understand this comes from trauma, like, um, because really Clint, truly you've always been supportive of me. Like I've never had an idea that you were like, eh, literally never. Like you'd be like, if I like said the word painting, you know, you would like go get oil paints and canvases, you know? So that is true. And, but I feel like I just was so like kind of shut down and, but I knew that I could value motherhood and all of that. Well, then that creates a whole other problem because then when you don't feel fulfilled, you know, then you think something's wrong with you as a mom, you know, and all that. So it's a whole other thing, but. Well, I think there were there, first of all, you know, I do believe in you and, um, but I will say that there was a time if I was supportive, let's say I was supportive. We've almost been married 20 years. So if I was supportive all 20 years, there was a time in that, you know, where I was supportive, where it was also, backed up with this idea that like, yeah, I want you to do whatever you want to do as long as it fits with, Uh, you know, like I still have to be the leader and I still have to be, and I I think it did change. I know, I I know it it has changed. It It has totally changed. That's a good point. And it's true. If I think about all the time we spent like talking about your jobs or your whatever, if we had used some of that time for you to be like, what do you want to do? You know, cause we were in yes. Houston. I could have gone to school in Houston, you know, right, like, right. and you know, so generally you were supportive, but it's true. We weren't spending time. Like, what about you? You know? Yes, exactly. What about you? And it's funny at that time, you know, that's what you wanted to and needed. You had a, you had a blog and the, the blog was all about me. Life is me. It was called Life, life is, life is me. me. Yeah, life is yeah. me. I'm sorry. Life is me. And yeah, and I would yet, never like, have a blog that said all about me. me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Life is me though. And yeah. and 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 like you're you're expressing to the world like this is me. This is who I yeah. am. And but yet I'm not going, well, what about you? I'm yeah. I'm really saying, all right, here's here's what I want to do here. Okay, now 
can you can you fit into like can you fit your yeah, dream can you fit whatever yeah. into that and once again i want to say i'm sorry <laughs> um uh um because that's a shitty way to have to you know like exist in a marriage and in a world and and i get it yeah i get it that like um a lot of that is where i come from and the upbringing and some warped thinking again there were some very wonderful things that i learned uh, growing up and in church and from family and whatnot, but there were yeah, also some very too. detrimental things and, and damaging things. And, and I think that that was, uh, for sure one of them. Um, okay. You have since, however, we had kids. Um, and I think life just began to make sense for both of us. Like we began to see like, Oh wow. Like, we can both exist in this thing and like you can do your thing and I can do my thing and I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. And, and like, you can have a career and I don't have to, you know, me, Clint, I don't have to like worry. I think part of that was, you know, our, our therapist that we were seeing in Houston, um, who did, um, a year after, um, we, uh, uh stopped meeting with him cause we moved, um, came out and said that he had been having an affair, uh, on his wife uh, you know, so with another woman. Um, and so that just began, <laughs> we just mm -hmm. talk about, we had white, given, what do we know, always say, white men behaving badly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Just like I, I say that and I'm like, I'm so glad we're at a point where we can laugh about that together. Right. You know, I feel, right. yeah. Anyway, come to the anyway, dark side. If, if that like really offends you when I say that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, but I mean, we were taking, all, so all of that is like what we're coming out of. We did from that therapist who, you know, ended up making really bad decisions. We, we, um, uh, we did learn a lot, you yeah. know, from him. And, and he did, part of, but he caused a lot of damage too. We didn't realize oh until gosh. later because, yeah. Okay. Well, so what I wanted to say though, was that um, one of the things that I really learned in that time with him. And I think this was a turning point in our marriage was there was a massive part of me that needed to die. And, um, and even him, if you remember our therapist then saying, well, where does it say that you have to be, you know, that, yeah. that you have to be the one to provide everything. And, and Clint, you say you're a Christian and, and all this stuff. And, isn't that funny that you say you're the one that has to go earn the money and provide the money, but you also say that God will provide for you. Well, which one is it, you know? Mm -hmm. And and why is it that you have to be the one? Is that your job? Isn't your job just to be you and your wife's job is to be her? And that was one of the great things that we did get from that yeah, therapist. for sure. And we have lived with ever since. And mm -hmm. I think that that has made all the difference in the world. And since then, um, it's not about like, well, if you're going to do this, how's it going to fit with what I'm doing? It's you need to do this if this is what you want to do. And we will figure out how the hell this is all going to work later. You I know? mean, it's kind of, but I also think that like us filming some of those shows, there was a lot of conflict. We dipped back into, for sure. We dipped yeah. back into like, well, I, this is what I've got to do here. And, if, yeah, I'm going to control yeah. this. Yes, and, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you point that out because 
<laughs> on a scale of one to ten, how glad are you that I just? I'm very glad. <laughs> no, I'm I'm so glad because again, I I want people to hear that like, there's no doubt we were moving out of that old system. Yeah, we but were. You're right, growth is not linear. That that's is right. Really good to remember, and in any time of like stress, which filming those shows was like mock ten stress mm-hmm. um, for me. And, um. Uh, sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's easy, it's easy for us to go back to tough patterns, you know? Yes. You revert back to old mm-hmm. ways because it's like things are falling apart. Things are getting yeah. crazy. So I need to go with what I know here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that perfectly, what you just said perfectly describes how I experienced you while we were filming those. Yeah. Like this feels really scary. So I'm just going to revert back to what I know to keep it safe, you know? And it made me feel, thank you, really on the chopping block. Not like our marriage, like we were going to get a divorce, but it made, I felt like our relationship was on the chopping block. Yeah. I'm sorry. That sucks. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Reframe. Yeah. No, no reframe. That's just, that's just the, that's the shit that it was. Yeah. It was hard. It's hard hard to work together. And I feel like, we probably like, I think about it. I'm like, we should have just gone to a therapist once a week. Like if you're going to work yeah. together, really, well, can, if can you're we, working can... together, you should be in therapy. Like bottom line, you should be in therapy anyway. You know, I believe in it, but not right. you should, but I think therapy is a great tool. But yes. if you are working together, like, I feel like we did fall a little bit into the trap of like, we can do it. If we're like really good people, we'll make it happen. You know, right. we'll right. manhandle it into and can I can I point this out that because there might be a little bit of a disconnect here of what we're talking about, you know, I had been doing Fixer Upper for a while, and then mm-hmm. we were given an opportunity to make our own show, well, and several, yeah, several pilots and whatnot, and it was just again a situation that it was just insane, yeah. But in that was all this stress, and there were expectations. TV is an extremely stressful. Yes. Industry anyway. And then if you don't have boundaries and like things just get changed at the truly the last minute, like most people could never handle it. You know, like your personality happens to work well in it. And I think now that you're doing your own thing, it's even better because, you know, it's just you. And so Mm -hmm. you have your tools to deal with it. And also Mm -hmm. when there's a problem, I think you have to figure out the tools rather than, Oh, yeah. how am I going to present this to Kelly? Or she's going to be upset about this. Or, you know, you just deal with it within yourself, which is just yeah. makes it less complicated on a basic level. Yes. But, um, but it is, I mean, it's very hard to understand unless you've been a part of it. Yeah. And then when you're trying to manage between a husband and wife, you know, when people are like, Oh, this needs to be done in an hour, you know, and you're like, what? Um, you know, you're you t- in that kind of situation. I tend to like stick my heels in and be like, mm-hmm. figure out what I can do, and be like, if I really can't do it, no, I tell you right now, no, I can't do that, and I'm right. not going to. You know, right. I'm not going to. That's not possible. And you tend to try to meet every expectation, you know, and be like, it's like a challenge, you know, it's just two different ways of dealing with it. Like, I think I would anticipate Clint's going to talk, get us talked into too much, mm-hmm. and I was always thinking of the kids too, and our whole family life too, because mm-hmm. I didn't do this full time. I mean, I don't know if you counted up the hours, it could have been full time, but I was like on duty with their kids. We had my mom, but we didn't have um, a 
nanny or babysitter, you know, right. cause we didn't want to really. Um, and so anyway, I was always thinking of like the whole picture and I was always feeling like, Oh, Clint's going to talk us into too much and I'm going to be stressed out and I can't take it. Right. What are right. we going to have for dinner? You know, like all this stuff. And I feel like you were always like worried, Oh, any change Kelly's going to freak out yeah. and she's not going to be, you know, be happy about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we were like managing each other too. It was just like a real pressure cooker. Plus we're both very passionate, visionary people. Mm-hmm. And opinionated. The whole opinionated. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was always real unclear because sometimes they would want both of us, a total picture of how they're going to do a show with both of us. And sometimes it was more you. And so then it was very hard for either of us to understand where our roles were. Well, can, can I point out that? So literally the phrase was told to me, this is the Clint show. Right. And I was telling them, if you're going to do a show about my shop, I want it. It's got to be real because that's one of the things about my personality is that like I I like authenticity. I want things to be yeah. real. And so like if you're going to do a show about my shop and my business, well, it's not my business. It's our yeah. business. It's you were, you, that was very important to you. Yeah. You were like, I, if it's just me, okay. But like, I'm not going to do my life the way it actually functions and act like I personally do all those things. Because right. you also remember you saying like, that's not right. My wife does a lot yes. of work and also the other women and people, men yeah. that yeah. work at Heart Design Code do a lot of work too. Yes. So I am not going to pretend like I do all that work that they that's actually right. do. That's not right. That's right. Yeah, but there was a patriarchal part that I felt, I'll say I felt that I also felt that people kind of in, in some spaces wanted you to do the work and wanted me as your wife to do a lot, a hell of a lot of work for free. Yes. Yes. Because in I was the your background, wife. in the background, right, because I was your wife. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that and made ta- me really, not just really my wife, mad. but my talented wife. Who right. could, who could right. you know, like really contribute something meaningful to the whole project. Right. But this is the Clint show. But and, that's your wife, so she should do it for free. Right. right. And, I, and right. again, I don't think people were thinking that like overtly, but that's mm-hmm. what the action was and mm-hmm. not thinking through it. I just think a lot of times in the TV industry, in my experience, it's been people just don't think through it. Yes. You know, but it's on, but that costs, that causes real problems. And it, it was, that was one of the hardest times in our marriage for sure. And we've been through a lot I of agree. shit and that, yeah, was, that was one. Very, and very because hard. that was where our conflict was, is I was, um, wanting this. Like I, so I wanted this, there was something great that yeah. I wanted for yeah. sure. But then I was also feeling this pressure of, well, this is the Clint show. Also, this is your opportunity, right? Like this is your right. opportunity. So I've got to do this right. And you were like, you would even suggest things, you know, design wise. And I would be feeling in the back of my head, this pressure and hear these voices saying like, well, you got to, it's, this is about Clint and the furniture and this and whatever. And so I would be feeling like, well, we can't do it that way because that's not how I would do it. And I want it to look a certain way Yeah, and because it was not an equal partnership. Even though it's what I wanted, it wasn't equal. Right. But um, I feel like we never stopped. And this is a, no. this is a conflict between our you two can't. personalities too. Well, exactly. Yeah. That's why I think it's so good for you to do your own thing because 
it is, it, you don't know what to do because I think your when there's conflict, your central personality goes, just push through it. You'll get, I'll find a solution. I'm just going to keep going and push through. Yeah. And that's just one way of dealing with conflict. Right. Mine is when I have conflict, I want to stop immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if people won't let me stop, I will throw a fit about it, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I want to stop and figure out what the problem is because I do not want any extra like damage. And those two in our marriage, I feel like we found lots of ways in which those can work well together. Um, but in working together, it was, I mean, I would call it a nightmare. I think you would too. I mean, we oh, made it, everything, but yeah. it was horrible. And yeah. just with yeah. all the other pressures and I just wanted to stop and talk it through and figure out all of this. And you were just like, let's just keep going. And it, well, yeah. because again, I'm reverting back to the old yeah, we both are, of like, yeah. well, I've, I've got to like, this is our opportunity. I've got to make money for our family. I've got to like, you know, I've got to provide. I, you know, I can't, if I screw this up, what's going to happen? Right. And, you know. Well, and I think you often are like, oh, I'll get to know these people. Even if it's subconscious, I'll get to know, like if I ask them right now, they're going to say no. But if I get to know them and everything else, then like if I ask at the very end, they'll say yes. You know, that's just like a strategy. Yeah. And I'm like, no, we're talking about it all right now. (laughs) Getting it out there, you know, and I don't want to move forward. And right, right. I think ultimately what you wanted, correct me if I'm wrong, this was my perspective now looking back. You wanted to stop early on, talk about it, be heard, be understood, and have a conversation where we could both be honest with each other about what was actually going on. And I was just moving too fast and afraid and did not want to do that. Drug you through it anyways, promising that it would be okay. And it wasn't. And you were right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, we could, cause I knew we can only control so much, so much with the production company, but I do, right. I would call that a crisis in our marriage that we had. And I think mm-hmm. it did, have to do with, well, I think I found my voice in a new way that I hadn't, which is good because, yeah. you know, um, because I did have so much fear about being perceived as a diva. And, you yeah. know, I've learned since so much about like as a woman or any oppressed community, but I can only speak for being a woman. If you're going to speak out, you're going to be called a diva and a bitch. You know, I mean, we all know that the nasty woman. And that's what's so powerful to me about nasty woman in particular, that phrase or or whatever, because I think it's a reclaiming of, Mm. I think it's a reclaiming of the word. And it's very powerful, in my opinion, Um, because it's a way of just, I mean, women have been called witches. I mean, this has been happening for so long. Like anytime women got any kind of power that men didn't want them to have they were called witches or bitches or you know or anything like that and that's why um you know we've been talking a lot about well about Hillary Clinton lately you know in this week with our family and you and I and um I I just she's such a picture of that for me and I just understand so much I I think her story is so much about what we've done to women um yeah in our culture. But anyway, I'm kind of getting off track. But okay. yes, I, I really wanted I, I really wanted to stop and be on the same page. Like I was fine with whatever choice was made as long as we made it together. Yeah. And yeah. 
the reason I really want to talk about that is because I have a feeling a lot of people are in situations like that where, you know, um, obviously maybe not in TV, but in all kinds of professional situations or when you're going to move or should you not move or whose career should you go with or family situations or anything where, um, where maybe men are feeling like that urge of like, but I have to just make the the money or protect the family or whatever. But really what you need to do is choose relationships every time, choose yourself and then relationships, Yes, you know, um, every time. And we're not really, we're not taught that by our culture really. And our church is wrapped up in our culture in many ways. So, you know, you, you went, you did, you went back to that, like, I got to make the money, you know, like I can't listen to this lady, you know, got to make the money. And so, you know, um, it's on me. It's on me. I got, I got to do my thing. I just want to move forward. I just want to, to which I think is another thing that a lot of people in our culture use to, to oppress other people is I just Mm -hmm. want to move forward. Cause Mm -hmm. what doesn't sound, what sounds bad about, I just want to move forward. Yeah. Onward (laughs) and upward, you know, and like, or, or when people right now want to be like, I just like people that are kind. Well, I mean, what am I supposed to do with that? Of course, I like people who are kind too, but like we have to talk about what's going on. And I, I think that, you know, this is happening a lot, but, um, you know, in this context, we're talking about women. I just think a lot of women get silenced because like, for example, I think a lot of the criticism of my Instagram account, which is a reflection of me, therefore an imperfect thing, mm. but is, can't you be nicer? It's just mm. not nice. It's not, right. you know, like, um, couldn't you say that in a nicer way? Couldn't you, you know, it's just like, I just think if we're telling people they need to say, talk about racism in a nicer way, you know, like, right. what? But like our indoctrination um, within our religious spaces often is prioritizing people being nice because that's a way of controlling. And I wanted to say too, something that might help you in this podcast is like something I've learned from, the black community and especially black women activists Mm -hmm. is to, they talk about the importance of white people. When we give criticism to the white community, we say we, instead of saying like, they say blah, blah, blah. And it's very difficult because I don't Mm -hmm. want to identify with those white people, Mm -hmm. you know, like, but I am and Mm -hmm. I am in this culture. And so, we say we, you know, and it also, yeah. when I do that, it helps me reflect on the ways in which I, and maybe in the past, but also now, you know, yes. collaborate and collude with yes. this behavior. And that, and it's also acknowledgement of my past. Yeah. And my roots and everything. So it's probably difficult, but I would imagine that that would be important when you're talking about men too, even though it is uncomfortable and you're, but obviously you're on here trying to change that. And so it's obvious that you're not agreeing with those perceptions but it probably is important for you to choose to say we that's good that's uh, heard as, <laughs> as matthew mcconaughey yeah. says heard. heard i appreciate that, yeah. that. Well, if you said that on emmanuel achos I yeah, think yeah, yeah. We like to say it now. heard that's heard All right, everybody, if you ever wondered what it was like to sit on the couch with Kelly and I in a glass of wine any given night of the week, um, that's basically it. Um, Lisa, you don't, you know, you're not like a weird troll that like somehow hangs out in our house when we're not looking and like watches us sitting on the couch talking, but- um, Thanks for calling me a troll. (laughs) That's cool. I'm saying you're not, 
but I, I'm I'm saying that like you uh, you have talked with us enough to know that 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 is um that's yeah. that's it. Yes, exactly. You just interrupting, just having lots <laughs> to say. Is this what you wanted from me? <laughs> <laughs> Are you not entertained, Clint? Oh my goodness! Uh, that was part one with Kelly, and I loved every second of it, and I love every bit of her, and I can't wait for y'all to listen to part two um, next. So make sure you check that out. All right, as we have said already. Every week, we want to highlight uh, women in music. Um, I love, love, love music. So this podcast could would not be complete without music. And so we are going to highlight women in music. The first artist uh, to be highlighted on Man Unmade is a friend of yours, Lisa, which yes. is really fun. Haley. Hi, Haley. But she goes <laughs> as Dolly Barnes on her um, album, Caught in the Face. From 2017, yeah. the song that we're going to listen to is Don't Fall Asleep, which I'm super excited to share with everyone. Um, uh-huh. Clint, tell us more about the song. Okay, so here's the thing. This is why I love Don't Fall Asleep and that it's Kelly's, uh, the song uh, being played after the first episode with Kelly. That's totally Kelly. She, It's like, don't fall asleep on Kelly because she is going to blow you away with something amazing. Like, uh, you know, she... I walk into room and I'm like, hey, party guy, you know, whatever. And bring, as Kelly says, bring the fun. And, you know, Kelly, she's more thoughtful, um, very genuine and, you know, um, thinking about the words she's going to say and whatnot. And uh, I just always tell her, I can't wait to see whatever it is that you want to pour your heart into because it just is going to be amazing because everything that she does is incredible. And, uh, and so, you know, you just don't fall asleep on Kelly Hart, folks. Because let me tell you, she'll knock your socks off. Um, but I love this song. Dolly Barnes, thanks for writing it. Um, it is, it's driving. She is gritty. I love her music. Uh, and you can find her on Instagram at Dolly Barnes, uh, Facebook at Dolly Barnes Music. And her album can be streamed on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Tidal. You can actually buy the vinyl at uh, thewhatofwhom.com. Thewhatofwhom.com. Go, uh, go buy it. Great great uh music uh all right man unmade is produced organized researched and generally held together by lisa collins audio production and original music by jackson palomino i'm your host clint harp thanks for joining us on man unmade let's listen to some music bye friends